0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz Ingrassi and Ed McLuhan. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host.
2: Welcome to the Hoffman Connection. This is Raz Ingrassi, I'm the president of the Hoffman Institute. We are coming to you live from beautiful Northern California. Uh, just a little bit north of San Francisco, 10 miles over the Golden Gate Bridge. If you've never heard of the Hoffman Institute, we are celebrating 45 years as the leading personal development program, helping people all over the world who are serious about change. We have sites in 11 countries, helped over 80,000 people worldwide, and the Hoffman process is an amazing 8-day retreat of personal development and discovery. My co-host Ed is away this week teaching one of our programs. But um I want to begin speaking to you uh about our guest today who is very special, someone I've known for a number of years, Betsy Myers. She has a very popular book out now called Take the Lead, which which book has received the uh, Washington Post Best Leadership Book Award for 2011. And I mean this is a, is a fantastic book it's you know introduction by David Gergen endorsements from Tom Peters Ken Blanchard and all those people just uh everywhere on the jacket telling you that this is an important book and the reason they're on there is because Betsy is an important person and this is an important book so Betsy Myers has been at the forefront of women's leadership issues for the at least the last 20 years she was in the Clinton White House for eight years as the uh, senior advisor on women's initiative in the United States. She left there and went to the, become the executive director of the Center for Public Leadership at Harvard University, where she was for a number of years, and then, uh, left that to become essentially the COO of, uh, Barack Obama's presidential campaign. And Betsy is now at Bentley University. Uh, she's got a, She's the founding director of the Center for Women and Business at Bentley University and has just got a whole, an enormous program being launched there. So I want to welcome you, Betsy. It's, Thanks, uh, Raz. It's wonderful to be with you. you. Yeah. And uh, I just, you know, you, you've you been on the road with your book, but the most important thing for me about you is that you have been right in the halls of power for over 20 years. <laughs> Government, academia. Now, with your book, you're uh, out there meeting and consulting with uh, huge business leaders, and, and, and you know you're the most eminently qualified as well as most fun person I know to talk about what's going on with leadership and what's going on with power. And so, who else can I ask but what are some of the most common misperceptions about what makes a great leader? <laughs> Well,
0: I think one of the misconceptions of, about leaders or leadership is I, I find it fascinating as I travel the country and I'll ask audiences how many of you in the audience um, think you're a leader. And usually uh, about half the hands go up. Uh, and so many people have this idea of leaders are, you know, you have to be the president of the company or the president of the United States. or, And what I say is that at the very least you're leading your own life and that you decide where you work, you decide how you show up, where you show up, how you dress, how you deal with conflict, um, and that we're leading our own lives and that every day is an opportunity to to take leadership.
2: That's brilliant. I mean, one of the most empowering feelings a person can ever have is, um, if you will, the sense of owning your own destiny.
0: Yeah, it takes some of the victimness out of it because, you know, what happens is people get in a job in a company and maybe they're working for a boss that they – you know, don't feel empowered about or they, they don't really, you know, feel good about their, their their position or their life. And it's easy to start to feel like a victim. And so what I say is, no, no, you know, you've made that decision. If you're in that position or that company um, or you, you know, you're in that job, that's because you made that decision and we can take control of that. And I think there's something empowering about that. Um, That, you know, the very least you're leading your own life and take responsibility for that and the choices that you make around that. And then the choices around about how you treat the people around you. Right. Then that's really what leaders, the second part is that, you know, leaders are someone that people want to follow. So what are the behaviors you're doing um, that get people to either follow you or, you know, I always say work with you or work against you.
2: Right. Well, you you mentioned this thing about a sense of victimization. and um there's also something that we 're seeing i mean this is an election year where we're always recognizing that there's kind of a um, low level of engagement in their own lives and in and in and in, and in the country uh, I, I read where there's some you know measurements of this thing i don't know how how accurate these sort of statistics are, but they say that fifty to seventy percent of Americans are kind of unhappy and disengaged Mm -hmm. i I call that being in the gray zone uh, instead of in where you know life is in is is in gray and black and white instead of in technicolor what so, so obviously a part of it is what you were just saying uh leading your own life but what else can you tell us about leadership and how it how it affects that Well,
0: you know, it's interesting because that that, statistic—that's part one of the reasons I wrote my book. um, Was looking at that as I traveled across the country, um, speaking with various companies and working with various companies. One of the—I would say—the biggest issue that companies, corporate America, is looking at today is this level of engagement. You know, and as you said, fifty to seventy percent of people disengaged, twenty percent actively disengaged, and um, you know, why is that? Because we spend millions of dollars on leadership development programs every year, but we still have this disengaged people. And I always say, you know, if you break it down, what does that mean exactly? Well, a person doesn't leave a company. They leave a manager. You know, the number one reason people are unhappy in the workplace is, is their relationship with their immediate supervisor. So I think we have to look at how we train our, our managers to say, you know, what are you conscious of the behaviors that that you're doing that are get, maybe getting in the way of your success or the success of your people, uh-huh. um, and that's. I mean, I guess we can talk about that. That's why people go to Hoffman Institute is to figure out to get more conscious about the behaviors and the patterns that they are using in their lives that might not be working for them.
2: Well, that's certainly true um, about the work we do, and it's about. I think we all have to stay engaged in that, in that issue, and and, and really, where do people receive management training? I mean. So you, you, were, you, ran the, you ran the Center for Public Leadership at Harvard for a while, and uh, so there you were, right at the Center of Management Training uh, or Leadership Training. And is it really teaching people what they need to know? Is it giving them practical skills?
0: Well, it's interesting because I think, you know, people do take time at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard. There is, you know, people take time from their lives to get their master's, and the Kennedy School has the wonderful, you know, one-year intensive master's program for people that are, you know, between the ages of uh, 35 and 55 and some younger, some older. But um, so people take that actual time, and that's a luxury. Some people will find executive programs. Some people will, there's training inside corporations, and that's, you know, where – Companies spend millions of dollars every year training. Variety of things they do. They bring uh, outside consultants in. They bring speakers in. They do programs such as the 360 feedback. I do a lot of work with Farmers Insurance. It's a wonderful uh-huh. company. That's they all of their senior people now have are, are doing the 360 feedback. Um, they're actually doing. I'm doing a lot of work with them around my book, uh, around their leadership curriculum. Um, but you're seeing in corporate America where they are. Trying to help people get some insights about the behaviors that work for them and the behaviors that don't. And here's the other thing, there's this, this, I think, movement across corporate America that I'm seeing, and, and I use the word sponsorship, where people have someone in the organization who's their sponsor, and it's really like a mentor, accelerated mentor, meaning that someone who is your, you know, champion, but the difference between a sponsor and a mentor is a sponsor takes it to the next level which is i'm looking for opportunities for you inside the company i'm your advocate I look for promotion opportunities or maybe a project where you'll get some visibility or a committee, but I also, as a sponsor, am responsible for kind of holding a mirror up to you to say, these are the behaviors that might not be working, or here's something to think about, or here's a different perspective, or here's a relationship in the organization that you need to clean up.
2: So um, it's not just it's not just about getting that feedback, that 360-degree feedback, and then li- leaving people out there to hang with. That you know, some people don't like me, but they're actually doing something about it. How with those mentorships,
0: right? And sponsorships, and conversations, and peer connections, where we you know we help each other. Um, So I see this trend, and that's what's really exciting. Is this? I see this change of language, this change of this honesty this conversation, is honesty that, wow, we have this disengagement issue and we don't have it all figured out. We have this issue where we don't have enough women in our senior ranks um, and we've tried a few things, it's not working, what do we do? We have this issue where younger generation, you know, we're spending a lot of money to onboard the younger generation and they're not staying more than a year or two with us. Uh, what do we do about this? And, and I think that's, that's exciting, actually, because once you open the dialogue and you start to share with you know inside your company and outside your company, with while well, we're struggling with these issues too, what did you do? And that's one of the things we're doing here at Bentley University, around the issue of women in business, because so many corporations, you know, we're still looking at 2012. Hard to believe um, that we still, in the senior jobs in corporate America, we're still looking at around 15% of the top jobs and women on boards. At yet, however. All of the research, the Glass Ceiling Report, the McKinsey Report, are all showing data that says companies who have more women in high positions and on boards are more profitable. And the workforce has changed. There's more women in the workforce than men. Women as customer, consumer, 85% of consumer spending by women. Women as voter. You know, since 1980, there's been a gender gap. Um, So there's this big shift and this realization and companies are looking at 2020 goals, 2017 goals, and our CEOs, so many of the CEOs, not all, but many of them are saying, wow, I can't, I cannot bring my company to 2017 or 2020 with a mostly white male workforce. Why? Because, because we won't be competitive. We won't be profitable. And that's the exciting change. It's, it's no longer just a nice thing to do. Um, to have engaged employees or women in high positions, but it's actually a business imperative. And that is the exciting shift, um, that's going on.
2: Wow. Listen, we're going to take a break in just a moment here, but when we come back, Betsy, I want to ask you more about how the conversation has changed over the last 20, 30, 40 years about, you know, gender and in the workplace. And, uh, are men and women actually you know, finally working together. Are they still competing? There's so much conversation that you've spent in the past about women taking men's jobs. But that's that's like an obsolete perspective. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to ask you to talk about that. So we're going to take a short break and come back with Betsy Myers, author of Take the Lead, a global game changer in women in leadership. And also, I want everyone to know that if you call in, you can ask Betsy your up. questions. Call this number, 1-866-472-5788, one 472 5788 or you can email radio at org. radio at org, and all callers will receive a free copy of Betsy's fantastic book. Okay, we'll be back from the break in a few minutes.
1: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California, Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit HoffmanInstitute.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to one 472 Again, that's one 472 5788 or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program.
2: And we're back with Betsy Myers. Betsy is just an amazing person and she is now, uh, heading up the fantastic initiative at Bentley University for the uh, Center for Women and Business there. But, uh, that's in Boston. But Betsy's got a background of uh, having been eight years in the Clinton administration being the COO for the uh, Obama campaign, and being the executive director for quite a number, I think six, seven years, at the Center for Public Leadership at Harvard University. She's been engaged and at the front edge of women's leadership issues for well over 20 years. She knows what she's talking about. She's got an amazing book, Take the Lead, Take the Lead, Motivate, Inspire, and Bring Out the Best in Yourself and Everyone Around You. It's a great, great book, and... I urge everyone to go buy many copies. And I want to re- remind people to call in if you have questions for Betsy. And, Betsy, I want to ask you a question. Um, you know, you talked about well, – well, I said I was going to ask you this question before the break. So tell us about how the, the conversation about gender, men and women working together, especially in leadership positions, how has that changed from, you know, the way it was competitive and the glass ceiling and all that, I know there's not exactly parity in numbers or right. necessary compensation yet, but has the conversation shifted? What, where's it going? What's going well, on? Well, I,
0: you know, the, the, the um, yes, if there's still a glass ceiling, yes. I mean, we still, you know, we were talking earlier about the numbers that of, uh, you know, women were still lagging way behind when you're looking at, you know, companies that have 12 to 14, 15% of women in the top jobs. Um, But I will say one of the exciting things about the conversation is that, you know, for so long it was – You know, part of trying to get to parity for men and women was, well, let's have a women's initiative and we'll you know, it'll have some networking and maybe some speakers occasionally and it'll be over to the side, you know, part of HR maybe or three tiers down and you know, it hasn't had a lot of juice to it. And you know, I think what's happened is this what I was saying earlier was this realization that wait a minute, that isn't working because we're still looking at two thousand and twelve. We really haven't we've made some progress, but not where you think you should be, you know, in two thousand and twelve. And So that's where CEOs and senior leadership are saying, "Wait a minute, you know, we, we know we need to do better, but we don't know how." And and so there's this sharing of best practices, this curiosity of what other companies are doing that have done it right. And the other exciting thing is this change in conversation that that men and in order to make in order to really get parity, that men and women have to walk hand in hand and do this together. And I'm seeing at a lot of the women's conferences where men are coming. And they come, and they, I, and they say, "I want. I'm here because I want to learn about more about women." I have 20 women that report to me, or I have, or I have um, a couple women that report to me. But I have a daughter, or two daughters, or, and so that's that is this the shift also that I see that this that men and women we need to do this together, and that it's you know listen leadership life it's all of this stuff is is messy, so it's not there's no like well just do these five things and we'll all have it figured out but there's this i see this movement of a journey now to kind of figure this out that it needs to happen um, and that the workforce has changed um, and there's more women there and we want to harness all this fabulous brainpower um because at the end of the day it's about profit it's you know cause i always say raz you know with leadership this word it just it sometimes for people it, it conjures up all kinds of stuff but at the end of the day leadership is about getting results and um result whether you're trying to make profit in a company or you're trying to get more women in leadership, you're trying to raise a healthy child, whatever it is that you're trying to get done in your life, leadership is about getting those results.
2: And it's the results that you want on the inside. In other words, um, you know, we have this culture where, we think it, we think that happiness is, is going to come to us if we do the right things and produce the right things and acquire the right things. And everything is promoted to us like it's possible to acquire happiness. And in fact, what we're really trying to satisfy are, are some deep inner motivations and, uh, you can only satisfy them from the inside out. So it's, it's, it's really powerful to listen to you speak about the emotional side of leadership. And I actually would love to go a little bit in that direction as well because, you know, in our work, we we know that uh, emotional intelligence rules the day, that the emotions are 400 times faster than the intellect and 90% of all the inputs to the intellect come from the emotional part of the brain. I mean, this is scientific research that tells you this, so that the the uh, emotional brain is faster and more powerful. And to try to hold it at bay is is uh it's just a losing proposition and so in a certain way uh I hear you speaking about with the parity between men and women inviting in uh well women take on more intellectual attributes to to be in the managerial workforce but men also need to take on and women as well but need to take on more of the emotional the balancing factors and uh, so, I'd like to ask you to speak about emotional intelligence and also how do you look at this issue of what is often called balance?
0: Well, you know, it's interesting when you, because I, I think thinking about what you say, what you're saying about, you know, men need to bring more emotions and women more intellect or we bring those things. To, the truth is that when, I, when you think about the leadership style or qualities needed for this generation. You know, Marshall Goldsmith wrote that book, you know, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Right. I love that title because it's really like what got us here to 2012, you know, and a lot of leadership people, you know, people in leadership use the command and control method, do as I say, or else. And, you know, that you can get someone to do something for a while, but you won't get their heart. And this shift in leadership um, is that you have to use the brain and the heart and how you trigger the heart is through the emotions. And we forget that we are human beings first. And what makes us human is our feelings. And our feelings determine, you know, whether we're going to engage or not engage, or, or we're going to follow or not follow, or, you know, act out or not act out. And so that's what, the, that's what my book is about. It's kind of a different way to look at leadership. But what I'm saying is that leadership actually creates a feeling. And if everyone were to close their eyes and think about the times in their life that they were most productive, the times where they were most excited to get out of bed in the morning, um, where they felt that there was the most them, you know, that, that this is who I am, aren't those also the times that you were somewhere where you felt valued, you felt appreciated, you felt included, um, you f- felt heard? And so what I'm saying is that we have to be conscious of the behaviors um, and how we trigger that emotional aspect of the people around us, not just at work but at home too. It's the same concept. Um, and so because what worked in the past isn't work today. The world has changed. And that's, that's the big, and that's the also, I think, what we're seeing the con- when we talk about the conversation shifting. And, and so it's not so much about men different than women it's that in my book i have lots of examples of men who have been doing this valuing of the people around them you know bill clinton is a master um, of valuing the people around him so i use a lot of examples of men that have been doing this model of leadership for a long time
2: well this it's what i i I get that and what i'm trying to I I think speak to a little bit is going back to your original point about self-leadership, Yeah, that it begins with self-awareness, knowing your own strengths, weaknesses, and drives, and the impact that you have on other people. Self-regulation, where you're controlling your own sort of disruptive impulses, your own what motivates you, your capacity for empathy toward others, but also toward yourself. Yes. Uh, And so it is a... Uh, it's a self and other proposition, not just trying to motivate other people to do what you want because, uh, people can tell when you're inauthentically yes. trying to motivate them. Absolutely. That doesn't work either.
0: You know, Warren Bennis was the first one, the guru of leadership in, in my mind, who um, was the first one 20 years ago that said, came out and said, leadership is about being self aware. And, mm. um, and knowing who you are, um, and, and the behaviors that are getting in your way. And, you know, how your behaviors impact the people around you. And I think that's what's so important about the Hoffman process um, and the work that you all do is that you really help people dig deep and, you know, going for eight days to think about this stuff. And and I went through the program in 2003, and um, it was such an awakening for me to really look at some of the my issues and to be more self-aware because, you know, we're all on this journey our whole life. I always say to people, we don't have this. I used to think when I hit 30, I'm going to have it all figured out. And then when I hit 40, I'm going to have it all figured out. And when you hit 50, you're going to have it all figured out. And I think one of the big lessons is that we're always, life's a process, and we're all on this journey, and that self-awareness is the key um, to our success and, and our happiness in life.
2: Yeah, I know that you came out of the Clinton White House Having accomplished so much, having done, I mean, and been a part of just unbelievable initiatives, things that anyone would, anyone would want to have been a part of. Um, and yet you were burned out. Yeah. And so you were close to leadership. Everything was great, but you were sacrificing yourself in order to make that difference. And, uh, you've learned, I think, through Hoppin, through other things mm-hmm. you've done that you're a big part of the equation
0: <laughs> right i think i was you know what a lot of people i was um, an overachiever it was um i kind of got my my self-esteem through my uh-huh. jobs and through my titles uh-huh. and i think what hoffman you know because that's where i got my a lot of my feedback as a child and mm. so that was one of the things i realized was wait wow you know um what what is where did that come from and and you know who is re, who who is betsy and what makes her happy and what what's the Pearl that I add to the world, and how do I do it in a more integrated, balanced way? Uh, Because I came out of the White House in my almost, I guess, mid to late 30s, you know, and was looking at having a family and and wanting and having this overwhelming desire to have a baby, and you know, found myself at uh, almost 40. Um, so those were the things I was looking at that Hoffman really, and then once I had my little daughter, which was, you know, not easy to get into the world, I was on bed rest for 10 weeks and some other things, um, was, and that's what Hoffman really helped me was how do you, now that you have this child, how do you let go of some of those patterns of needing to, you know, this overachievement?
2: So when you found, I mean, this, this is all about leadership because you found your own authenticity. By discovering the unmet love needs of your own, mm-hmm. you know, in your own childhood, which empowered you to be a better mother, to be the mother you always wanted. And similarly, leaders need to find that inner authenticity in order to be real with the people that they're leading. Would, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, because people know when you're not, people, people are smart and they can read through inauthenticity. Inauthenticity. Um, it's one of the reasons I went to work for Barack Obama. Because no matter how you feel about him, he's very authentic. And um, he, one of the first times I met him, what we had took 25 uh, Harvard students to Washington for um, budding leaders of tomorrow, who were it was kind of an inside look at Washington. And Obama had agreed to talk to them for 15 minutes. And I remember thinking, what's he going to say? Um, and he spent those 15 minutes talking about the mistakes he made when he ran his congressional race, his first uh, political race uh, for national office um, uh, against Bobby Rush and the mistakes he made and how he scraped his knees, but he got back up and, you know, instead of saying, wow, look at me, I'm a U.S. senator, look at all the things I've done and I've accomplished, and let me tell you about my Harvard experience and all that. And so I remember thinking, he's really authentic. And uh-huh. and then the first meeting we had of senior staff um, on the Obama campaign in early 07, he said to us, you know, which I will never forget, he said, you know, this is a long road. People you know, forget that he was 30 points behind in the polls and 10% name recognition and, And he said, "This is going to be a long road, but we're going to run a really professional, buttoned-up campaign. We're going to run a campaign about respect, inclusion, and if we win, fabulous. But if we lose, so be it. But don't ask me to be something and someone I'm not to win." Beautiful. Yeah, and that's really what we're talking about. Is like you know, be if if you're tapped into who you really are, um, and you go about it in the world to to add that that unique aspect of yourself to the world then the world kind of lines up to support you and i think politicians who try to be something else to win in the end they lose
2: very well said and i'm sure that's true at the corporate level as well Yes. betsy when we're going to go on a break and when we come back we're going to take a call from janet she wants to ask you a question okay. and get one of your books for free <laughs> so we're going to go to break now but for those of you who are, on, are listening out there, call in with your questions. Call us at 1-866-472-5788, 1-866-472-5788 or email us at radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. We'll be back in a few more minutes with Betsy Myers.
1: news opinion your voice counts call toll-free 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 voiceamerica.com are you looking for more joy satisfaction and love in your life The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McLoone, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program.
2: And we're back with Betsy Myers. Betsy's got a wonderful new book, Take the Lead, and we're going to uh, every caller We'll receive a free copy of that book. And uh, we're going to take a call now from Janet. Janet, are you there?
3: Yes, I am. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Beth, it's uh, wonderful to hear your uh, take on so many different aspects of women in leadership. Uh, I couldn't agree more with what your perspective is. My own personal experience is uh, raising uh, three children abroad mm. in many, many different continents Wow! and um, teaching them the values of what it would be to be successful in the world. Um, I'd just like to know, well, I, 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 have, I had so many personal experiences. Uh, I mean, we've entertained and been guests with heads of state, royalty, corporate execs. I mean, the, the whole exposure to really, really interesting people. Now, in that, I can recall one instance where um, somebody asked me what I do, and I said I was a homemaker. Mm. And, of course, you can imagine the, the vacancy that mm-hmm. uh, lit up, and they scurried across the room. And then I started something a little bit different, and I thought, well, I am CEO of a company. <laughs> and you kind of see the eyebrows go up, and they'd say, oh, what do you do? I said, well, it's the O'Brien Corporation, which is our <laughs> family name. And they always look puzzled and uh, very seldom did they go any further into, into my silliness. But what you were saying about authenticity, uh, perhaps that wasn't fair to, to spring on somebody. But in your experience, um, do you see professional international attitudes and, and behaviors um, much different versus the United States? Um, the disparities that I have, um, I, I seem to pick up between uh, professional opportunities and the ability to advance uh, are much greater abroad mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know that um, embracing enough responsibility for a corporate woman executive might, in your opinion, be uh, much different from what you're finding abroad.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting um, as, as you were talking, some countries are you know, like anything better than other, right? So in In Norway, there was legislation passed that said any company that wanted to go public had to have forty percent of the um, members of the board had to be women uh, which they went about doing right so there it seems in Europe that that um, you know that they're progressive as well or trying to be progressive and so there's some things like that you know in uh, c- countries like Finland where there's more women it's a c- high level of women in in their government and, and congress um, so you know but i think that there's and i travel a lot around the country that I mean, around the world that we have a long way to go on these issues universally and it's difficult and i think what you are talking about is you know the, this this um and we just had this you remember this conversation we just had with um hillary rosen um, made a comment about um, Mitt Romney's wife, Anne that she'd uh-huh. been—you know—what did she know about uh, economics? She'd been uh, she'd never worked a day in her life because she'd been a stay-at-home mom, and it caused quite a firestorm in um, in the press. And and some of it was—you know—the press loves fabricated kinds of stories like this. But I think what. And so many women rose. There was this big conversation because I think we're in this place where women are like, "Wait a minute, haven't we fought long enough and hard enough? And we're in 2012, and isn't it about choice? We want to have the choice whether if we have the um, if we want to stay home and raise a family." And it is. I love the way that that term that you said. You were the, the you were the CEO of your family corporation, and that is noteworthy and very. Uh, Honorable work. Uh, raising a it child is. and a family is the hardest thing you can do.
3: And uh, doubly so, I think, when you're international, and you really truly uh, are qu- uh, quite alone. Uh, I mean, not not uh, yeah. in the sense of a, perhaps American families who might have family or close friends, uh, childhood friends around the right. corner. And um, it, nevertheless, education opportunities are, are fantastic. Um, but it just seems like... Um, there's an obstacle still that remains in the United States, much more so than our perspective of what we've uh, embraced overseas. So I just didn't know how that's, much. That's
2: a that's a really interesting perspective that mm-hmm. that it's um it's worse here than than in your experience <laughs> than it is overseas. Uh, Betsy, maybe you could comment on that. Well,
0: yeah, you know, and and then this whole issue Again. what I say about um, stay-at-home moms is uh, for many women in this country is a luxury. I mean, what the struggles are here is many women and men are trying to do both they're trying to because they don't they don't have the luxury to stay home um, right. or the choice right so they're trying to work and raise a family or have raise healthy children and so one of the big conversations going on is about workplace flexibility how do i live an integrated life you know how do i how do i pick a company that will allow me to uh you know, to deal with the the my whole person and the issues that I have trying to raise children. And and not always, you know, we always say it's about raising kids. Sometimes it's people who don't have kids or their kids are grown and they're dealing with elderly parents or a sick spouse um, uh, or they have an athletic ambition outside of work that they're passionate about. And so how do we let people uh, live a more balanced and have, have some rights of flexibility? And so that's one of the big issues that corporate America is taking on right now. So... Farmers Insurance, I think this is so interesting, they're in their claims division, which is a huge part of their company. They're trying a new initiative, which is no meetings before 9 in the morning or after 3.30, mm-hmm. so that people can get their kids. Right. Interesting. Wonderful. Yeah. It's so Wonderful. important. It's just so well, Jen,
3: important. Keep
2: up your good work. Thank, thank you. And I really Janet, appreciate thank it you Stay, stay thank on you. The line so you get the, so someone I takes will. the information when we you give you the You have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Well, Betsy, this is a fascinating thing. I want to ask you to speak a little bit more about uh, women in business from the perspective of what we might call the millennial generation, because there you are at Bentley College, or is it University? And university. A, yeah, it's a this is a business school. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, what are you seeing in the in, in in the women? You know, we're twenty twenty-five. You have graduate school there, right? What's going on with this generation? Well,
0: one of the conversations I think is really interesting is that there is a and some of the research that has been done that some of the millennials are they look at what their parents had to do to get into top jobs and they're saying I don't want that life. I don't want to have to work eighty hours a week and be on the road traveling all the time. And you know, I want a more integrated life. So one of the things we're seeing is some younger people are just opting out totally for corporate America. And the what's happening is we there's more baby boomers um, who are retiring, and there's not enough millennials to fill those jobs. And so, corporate America is saying, "Wait a minute, we need to figure out how we 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 hire those young people, and more importantly, how we retain them." And so, one of the questions is, you know, talking to the young millennials and saying, "What do we need to do to keep you?" Companies like um, Procter and Gamble. Bob McDonald, who's their CEO, started a program at P and G called reverse mentoring. So he and his senior leaders at P and G have a young person that's been with the company less than three years to be their mentor to wow. help educate them about how this generation thinks, what are their needs, what are their goals, what are their ambitions. You know, help me with technology. Help me un- help us understand you, um, which I think is very exciting. But the big big thing that I see is that they talk about this old conversation of balance, that's an old, dusty conversation. Um, we don't see it separate. We don't see a separate life. We want an integrated life, and we want to work at co- for companies that we're proud to work for, who treat their people well, who do community service, who engage in making the world a better place, um, and who allow me to live an integrated life, and that's the big shift.
2: Wonderful. And can you talk a little bit, too, then, about, uh, Bentley's outreach into, into American corporations? What's that about?
0: Well, Bentley's a really unique place, you know, and I didn't know much about it, but working at Harvard, you know, 10 minutes away, but it's in Waltham, Massachusetts, which is about 10 minutes from Cambridge. It is a business university, uh, private, 4,000 undergrads, um, young people come here, uh, to get their business degrees, um, you know, they, they're and I, it's so interesting because these young people come at 18, 19 years old, knowing they want to get into finance, accounting, um, marketing, um, and uh, insurance. And and then there's a, another part of Bentley which I think is interesting is we have a a combined um, degree which is business and and um, liberal arts. And the thinking is, you know, you go, you, just because you have a business degree, you also need to know about psychology and history and how to write. So it's a really unique place. It's almost 100 years old, and it has the first woman president. Her name is Gloria Larson. Um, and she is in her probably early 60s, and she, you know, started saying, wait a minute, you know, why are we, in, We start, she and I started having this conversation a couple of years ago, why are we, in, you know, 2009, 10, 11, with these uh, uh, horrible numbers for women in the top jobs? And how can Bentley, with all of our corporate partners, so all the big four accounting firms, lots of insurance companies, recruit uh, out of Bentley. Uh, we have some a huge number, something like 99% of our students get jobs in corporate America or go on to graduate school. Um, so it's a very special place with corporate partners. And so Gloria had this dream to start a center for women in business that would work with our corporate partners to try to figure out how to make progress in these horrible numbers. How do we get, you know, corporate corporations to go from ten percent, twelve percent, fifteen percent of women in the top jobs to thirty percent, forty percent. And so we want to be the the place for best practices. For where corporate America can come to and say who is doing what and what's working. You know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to figure out what has worked and who's doing what and then share those best practices. And last Friday we had this fabulous symposium. 700 people came to have this conversation. We called it conversation, moving from conversation to action. We've been talking about this for so many years and what we want to do here is move it to action. What are the tangible things that we can do to make progress on these issues and as one example, Bob Moritz, who's the CEO um, and chairman of Pricewaterhouse, was here giving our an hour keynote about why this is a business case, why it's important to P- Pricewaterhouse, why his leadership is making a difference, and they actually contributed a million dollars to this center for leadership here at Bentley. So wow. that's the kind of stuff that we're seeing, and, and corporate leaders like Bob um who are who are standing up and saying we are doing this it matters it's the future and we know we won't be competitive if we don't take a stand on this
2: that's fantastic very exciting yeah very exciting we're going to take a short break uh invite i want to invite people to make the call speak to betsy have your question by her answered by her and let me see i'm fumbling around here looking for that call number but uh maybe i'll have it sooner sooner than later um Oh, yeah, it's 1-866-472-5788. 1-866-472-5788. We'll be back in a few minutes.
1: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California, Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit HoffmanInstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Stimulating talk. Gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McLoone, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program.
2: Hello, this is Raz and Grossi. I'm the president of the Hoffman Institute. I'm here with Betsy Myers, who's got this amazing book, Take the Lead, and it's just a uh, as I said earlier, it received the Washington Post Best Leadership Book Award for 2011. Uh, it's just an absolute terrific. I'm sure it's a bestseller. If not, it's on its way to being one. And Betsy has a wonderful philosophy about business where strength is derived less from the power you wield than how you make the people around you feel. I want to urge people on the, who are listening now to go to her website, Betsy Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, BetsyMyers.com. And you'll find out more about her, the book, and things you can do to be involved in the kind of leadership that Betsy is promoting and is actually living. So, um, Betsy, we have a few minutes left in our show. And um, I remember the the all the terrific fun we had for the five years that we were doing the Hoffman Leadership Path work at Harvard in the Center for Public Leadership. And you brought us there because there was something – we began talking about the inner, inner side of leadership and that, you know, leadership isn't just all about what you accomplish out there, but it's where you're coming from in, in wanting to m- accomplish those things. And uh, I just wanted to ask you to comment, uh, how did you feel about the work we did? What did you observe and and maybe what you learned?
0: Well, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of, actually, in my career, is, is our partnership and our collaboration around bringing the Hoffman Process to Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. Um, because the work we were doing at the center um, was we, the, the work we did with students. That we realized from our conversations with them, our focus groups with them, them that they were hungry for deeper personal knowledge. That they they came to the Kennedy School as graduate students. They wanted to be leaders of the world, uh, but they and, and And they realized, so many of them, that by taking more accounting classes or psychology classes or history classes, budget classes, it really wasn't getting them to who they were or the behaviors that were getting in their way or the issues they had about collaboration or the frustrations they had in their jobs. And they were hungry for this know thyself. And so our center really concentrated, and my partner, in the, the work of the Center with David Gergen, who many of you know is on CNN and noted for working for four different presidents. We, we created a program at the Center called Know Thyself, and it really was digging deep in, in, in the opportunity for students to, to have those, you know, opportunities to think about themselves. And we, by my experience with Hoffman Process, and I knew how valuable it was for myself and, and having the relationship with Raz. Um, you, I mean, it was this great kind of synergy about let's bring the Hoffman process. It really was a dream. Let's bring the Hoffman process to Harvard. You know, what would that look like? And so we were, you know, with the help of Steve Belkin, who was gener- so generous in his support of the program, we were able to, I guess, for five years, put, what, 45 students every year through the program, right, Raz?
2: Pretty close, yeah.
0: Yeah. And what, so, and here it was this gift, really, that Hoffman uh, was able to give to, you know, so many, over 200 students um, from around the world um, who did this eight-day process and were able to look at their, you know, the patterns that were getting in the way of their leadership and their life. Um, and to this day, I get I still hear from people who went through the Hoffman process that are say it was the best part of their Harvard experience, was having those eight days. It was like the culmination of all their learning, the culmination of all the things they've been frustrated about or trying to figure out in their leadership in their life. And so it really was cutting edge. I think it was very cutting edge to bring Hoffman to a place like Harvard that notes itself. You know, Harvard believes, and for years, 375 years, being the place for leadership in the world, and so to connect Hoffman with Harvard was really um, an incredible experience, and the people who went through it you know to this day credit it for a lot of their their um, awakening, their consciousness, um, their change in behavior, and their success
2: well, so many times we heard essentially what you just said uh, where people would say now i can, I can really live everything i 've learned at harvard this, this brings it all together yes. for me and it is. It's just the case that, uh, I mean, you can go through a whole career and be very successful on the outside and still not have the inner experience of success. Yeah. And uh, once you find that inner self who is successful uh, and you connect it with your outer work, uh, life is really different.
0: I like that. So, That's a great way to say the inner experience of success, which... Often so, because of our patterns, we we keep that at bay. And that's really what the often process does, is to help expose that and and shine a light on it.
2: I like to say that, you know, so often we, we think that if we do the right things, we'll have the right things, we'll acquire the right things, and then we'll be happy. And so people are trying to produce and acquire their way into happiness, and they've got it lined up, do, have be yeah and I, I like to say it's the other way around it's be do have when you find that inner self that is truly who you are and then you do the things that are in alignment with that self uh, you will have the things that naturally flow from that and are a reflection of that inner goodness now of course you got to be good at what you do that's another part of it you can't just uh, emanate a gorgeous beingness and radiate love merely all that you have to really embody it into skillful action as you have and as you do all the time. But uh yeah, be be do have is I think the the right way to line up your life.
0: I like that. That's a great way to end. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Um, so I want to refer people again to your book, Take the Lead, and also to your website, Betsy dot com. And I think there's probably a link there. Is there not Betsy there over There is two? a
0: there's a video um on my site about the work we're doing at Bentley. Um Go ahead. But, you know, also Bentley.edu uh, will take you to the, to the university and our Center for Women.
2: Okay, great. Because I'm, you know, somebody out there has got a phenomenal daughter who's thinking about college or wants to get into business, and Bentley might be just the place for them. And quite frankly, the opportunity to interact with you is itself <laughs> worth, worth a trip. So uh, I want to encourage people to uh, find Betsy Myers and elevate the place that she can have in your life. Thank you so much, Betsy. It's been such Thank a pleasure. Thank you, Raz. Talking what a, what a gift
3: to, to spend yeah. an hour
2: with you. It's just so great. And, um, uh, hope, hey, by the one last thing I'll tell people, keep your eye open. Betsy's probably coming to your town and speaking sometime soon. And, right. I have
0: all my, my list of where I'm going to be and have been, um, on the site. So people can definitely check it out. And, um, yeah, keep up with me that way. And there's a way to, to put your name uh, in there. If you want information uh, about what we're up to, um, we're, you know, we'd love to to engage you.
2: Great. Wonderful. I want to uh, invite everyone to listen next week. Uh, I'll be gone. Ed McClune will be handling the show, being the host. And he'll have as his guest the wonderful Nashville singer-songwriter Beth Nielsen Chapman. Beth Nielsen Chapman is just an amazing singer, songwriter, entertainer. And uh, you're in for a real treat. I think Ed's going to play some of her music as well next week. So tune in for the Hoffman Connection next week as well, and you'll get to meet Beth Nielsen Chapman. Thanks again for listening.
1: Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.